Welcome to Sober Nation FM, a podcast network dedicated to sharing experience, strength, and hope so that you may continue to live your best life of recovery. The Sober Podcast Network is brought to you by Sober Nation. Do you want to live a healthy, sober life? Sober Nation is the world's leading online recovery community. Find support, resources, stories of hope, and even an online treatment program at SoberNation.com. Live a happy life. Be comfortable in your skin and join the recovery movement. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Now enjoy today's episode. The hell that I was in, I'd do anything to be better. I thought like a lunatic. You gotta just have like that little bit of hope that it will get better. You're gonna make it. This began my surrender. I am a witness of my own growth. It's a life beyond your wildest dreams, and I just have to say, it works if you work it. My story, that's what I share. You're listening to Far From Finished, a weekly podcast where we share new, real-life stories of hope and triumph, told by the people who live them. Today's story comes to us from... My name is Audrey. My sobriety day is September 6th. 1994. I was born and raised in the Adirondack Mountains. It's, you know, it's a gorgeous part of the country. I was the youngest and only girl of four children. My childhood was at times just wonderful, you know, running around the mountains, having, uh, you know, doing what mountain kids do, snow, ice rinks in the yard, and swimming in the lake all summer. Yet, it always seemed to never, I never seemed to fit in. Um, I was never, I was always told I was never pretty enough, rich enough, etc. You know, bullying existed back then. Times were very hard in my home growing up. Um, there was constant battles going on. It seemed my parents were always fighting all the time. I never knew I was going to catch a smack or a full-on beating. I learned to duck often and quick. <laughs> Not to say there wasn't love at home, because there was at times. I love and adore my parents, and I miss them. They both are in heaven now, and may they rest in peace. However, other times in my home was very disturbing and a frightening place to try and grow up. From a very young age, I wanted to run away and escape somehow. I had my first drink at age six. Um, My grandparents gave me some peppermint schnapps, and I remembered I loved it. I danced around. Everybody thought I was really cute, and I got sick. Um, life continued pretty much as it always did. Uh, smiles, laughs, birthdays, happy moments, followed by extreme abuse that just never seemed to make sense or end. By age 15, I wanted to die. I had run away from and been returned back to my home by the police. I didn't know why or what was really going on or why there was always so much abuse happening in my home. I just wanted to stop and get rid of the pain and the shame of it all. School was of no outlet to me either. I would go there and pretty much the same thing would happen. So I dropped out in seventh grade. And, um, you know, there was no disciplinary action for me dropping out. It was just like, okay, you're home now. What are you going to do? So um, the abuse continued. And before I knew it, I started getting handfuls of pills in the house. I didn't really know what they were, and I didn't really care. I just wanted to stop the pain. Um, I was constantly called ugly, stupid, worthless, and a burden, and life would be better if I would just die. And that was from my mother, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, To this day, these words still cut to me, and I've had a hard time, at times, getting them beyond them. 
but I am slowly but surely doing just that. That's when I found downers at 16. It was an immediate escape from everything in my life. I continued down the path, staying as high as I possibly could, doing pot, booze, pills, cocaine, whatever you could get me in. I met and fell in love with my husband in 1974. We were both 16. Um, he had a volatile childhood as well as me. And we dated for two years, and he saw a lot of the abuse going on in my home. At 18, I ran away from home when he went to the Army, and we married. By 20, we had two children. Life was a, life as a family was really hard. I had no real guidance or how to do this, how to be a good mom. And I quickly found myself overwhelmed and melting down. Drugs and alcohol were always my only way to cope. By 1986, I started meth. Uh, in the beginning, it was just a few lines on the weekend, and life was perfect. My house was clean. The meals were cooked. The kids, the homework was done. The kids were happy. My family was happy. I felt like superwoman. Meth gave me everything I thought I had been missing in my life. Uh, life seemed perfect, and my attic friends used to come over in complete amazement and ask me, how are you keeping everything looking so good while you're using meth? Um, it was early in my disease. But as time went on, uh, the home life no matter no longer mattered, and it was no longer important to me, and everything started to unravel. My getting and using meth was the only focus I had. I would go to the dealers and leave my kids, and they would sit out in the car. Um, I would go to score and forget that I was gone for hours at a time. I was not a good mother of any sort, and I can own that today. Um, we came into a very large sum of money from an accident settlement that my husband had had, and that quickly... The very oddly, the very first thing we did was go pay the dealer off because, uh, you know, we just wanted to cut ties with him and not leave him owing money to him. Um, our life went completely out of control. Meth was everything all the time. And, and that is the story of meth. It's everything all the time. We went through the money on drugs like it was water. Eventually, we were living in filth and condemned buildings. No matter how bad I felt, it all seemed to matter. All that seemed to matter was the meth. That's when I realized it was no longer working for me, and I started slamming meth. It was 1986. The first time I slammed meth, I knew I was in severe trouble. The high was everything I'd been looking for. Very quickly, I was broke with an extreme habit and had sold off or traded off or stolen everything I could to get more meth. Method at this point robbed me of my happiness, my family, my home, my life, and my health. And it had become my lover, my best friend, and my whole entire world. After drinking and using for 20 straight years, I started to find myself in and out of trouble with the law. I was busted again and again and again, always released from the store for stealing or released from the substation, never really any consequences. One day I was finally busted and I was told to um, go to meetings and um, 
I went and I said, well, I'm nothing like these people. If I get as bad as they are, I will return. But, you know, I'm not that messed up. I can quit anytime I want. Well, um, getting busted over and over again was obviously little to no deterrent to me. By this time, my body was showing the ravages of constant meth use. My teeth were rotting away, and I was covered in meth sores. I weighed a whopping 79 pounds, and I could no longer speak logically, and I'm pretty much mumbled all the time. I was a thief, and the law was after me at every single turn. My family could no longer trust me, and who could blame them? Yet, I couldn't stop, and I couldn't admit that I had a problem. I was no longer a mother, a friend, a daughter, a wife, or a sister, or even a human being. And then one night, it occurred to me, I finally realized what I was. I was a junkie. September 94 was the last time I used. That night, I was as low as I could be. I hated me. I hated my life. I hated everything that I had become. I had survived overdoses only to go back out. I had survived my liver shutdown only to get released from the hospital weeks later and start shooting meth again. I had sold my hair and my DNA so they could study meth to see if it was addicting through San Diego State University College. Um, it was a never-ending circle and I was trapped. I remember crying out that night after using to the Lord and saying, Lord, help me. I just can't stop. I, and then I followed that with doing my last of my stash because is that what all addicts do? How many times have we all swore off only to use again? That night I found myself in cuffs and this time I wasn't getting out of them and I was looking at prison time. Now, mind you, I had never even done one day in jail, let alone having to do prison time. So just quite a eye-waking experience to me. For me, I finally got a little clarity. It was time to stop, maybe time to listen, maybe time for me to get healthy and deal with the wreckage of my life. It was time to stop running and accept the help that was being offered to me for so very long. My journey began on 9-6-9-4. I entered the court-ordered rehab, locked in patients. There, I, in the 36 that I stayed because I ran away after 36 days, there I learned I was worthy of recovery. I started to look at the abuse as best I could and deal with the pain of my childhood. In time, I began to heal, and I got my life back on track. Family slowly began to trust me, and the love came back over time. I started working the steps with a sponsor and started service work making coffee, secretary for meetings, and I did that for the first couple of years. I began to pick up the many tools that I was taught in rehab that were given to me in early recovery and apply those principles to my new recovery and to my new life. I wrote journal after journal. I'm a strong, avid believer of writing down my feelings, and a lot of them just seemed like ramblings and I was told early in sobriety, just just write. Don't look at what you're writing. Just write. Well, some of those words are kind of hard to look back and make sense of, but I have all these journals now. Uh, in time, my legal troubles were behind me. I was no longer looking at five years prison, but I did have a really hefty probation over my head. And it took a lot of years to get out from under that. 
I attended all the meetings that required of me. I was randomly drug tested for five years. I did five and a half years probation. And um, I had to be in outpatient rehab for two years. Any slip-ups from my part, and I definitely went back. Um, at this point, I realized I was free to be the best me I could be. I was finally free from drugs and alcohol. I wasn't a bad person growing up, and I wasn't a bad person when I was drinking and using. But somewhere along the line, I became drugs made me into a person that most people did not want to know or trust. And um, now I was finally free to be best me I could be. I decided to pick up a hobby. Uh, photography became my passion, and my surprise, I'm pretty damn good at it. I just loved seeing and photographing the world that was always, I was simply too busy or too high to look at. A lot has changed over the years. I'm a good wife. I'm a good mother. I've made amends to my children. I've sworn that I will not pick up no matter what. And um, I vow to keep that promise no matter what. Um, I'm a grandmother now of four. Um, to my amazement, my stories that I had written while I was high, my poems and my recovery story have been published in multiple books and such. I don't know how you do that with a seventh grade education, which was always something I felt great shame about, that I would, I never went back to school. Um, but I guess I'm doing all right. My new life has begun, and I'm proud of myself. Sobriety has given me back life. I'm blessed beyond my wild imagine, wildest imaginations. Today I live happy and free. That's not to say there aren't hard times, because there are hard times. I've had to have my parents die. I've had to walk through many, many deaths. I've had to walk through my sponsors dying. I've had to walk through an autoimmune disease, which was caused by destroying my nose from shooting dope. Um, I had to go through treatments at the cancer center for five years, which were making me extremely ill and psychotic from the solumedrol that was making me crazy. Um, that is behind me now, but there's things that I've had to go through in recovery that I chose as far as they were to never pick up and use. That's not to say that I was graceful all the time in that choice. Times where I lost my mind and I thought I couldn't make it. Um, but there's other times, there's those gifts and blessings, even though there's times when I hurt. There was times where I was rewarded abundantly. Um, I share this so freely. The one thing I try to live in is honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. The how. That's really important to me. September 6th, I celebrated two years of sobriety, one day at a time. Um, this year I got up there and I started crying because I had been clean and sober longer than I used. And um, I have a life better than anything I can imagine. And life's amazing because I could never believe that I could get from the little strung out junkie I was to where I am now. I will never allow myself to forget where I have come from. Um, I will never rest on my laurels or become complacent in my recovery. And I will never, 
take granted the gift I've been given. Sobriety is only promised one day at a time. And it was taught to me early in recovery that that is contingent upon my day maintenance. I have to do today what I did yesterday if I want to remain sober today and tomorrow. Sobriety has given me freedom and a respect and a self-esteem that I never had before, even as a child. And though I was told many times that I was worthless, ugly, and didn't amount to anything, and as much as those words hurt me, I've learned to grow beyond them, and I was taught that I am a good quality person, and I am worthy of recovery, and I am worthy of a good life. The real main things I had learned in recovery is, yes, I was going to feel, and I was going to feel everything, because I hadn't been feeling for so long, and that those feelings were going to make me want to run. But I quickly learned that anywhere I ran to, I was just going to bring me with me. So as hard as it was for me in recovery, like I said, I had run away at 36 days sobriety. That was because I was feeling so much. When I went home, my divine intervention, my God, had taken everything in my life and moved it. My house was no longer there. My family was no longer there. I had completely had a complete and utter mental breakdown on the side of a street by my house because I didn't know where anybody was because little did I know their lives were changing as my life was changing and he was getting a new home and he was getting a job and he was getting all the things that needed to be done. I didn't need to run away from recovery. I could have stayed there. Instead of having, and for me, a complete and total mental breakdown, um, I ended up calling the judge and telling the judge that I had violated. And I went in there and turned myself in. And that's when I was given outpatient rehab instead of going to prison. I learned a lot in recovery. I learned how to, to, to sit and be quiet. I learned how to write my feelings. Um, I learned how to trust people. And, and just not run. Just realize that they're just feelings. Don't run because you're going to take them with you. And if you do, you're going to use because that's what we do. We use when we're feeling. And um, recovery works, but you have to make a commitment to letting it work. You have to make a decision. There's people there that, you know, there was someone that came in and they used in recovery and they died. That's really eye-opening to realize that they were trying to get clean and sober. They just had that one more time in them, and that one more time killed them. I let go of my one more time because I knew when I came in, I was done. At 79 pounds, I had no more time. It, it was time to stop. So I listened. Recovery works, but you got to let it work.